Hello and welcome to the Feck It Fun, Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. I'm Helly and I'm here to provide regular bursts of information and inspiration, some neuroscience applicable to eating disorder recovery, perhaps a few rants, but otherwise lots of positivity with a bit of a Feck It attitude, some fun and a sprinkling of fabulousness to help everyone find freedom in recovery. Good day to you, one and all, and welcome back to this episode of the Feck It Fun, Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. I'm Helly, and I'm here talking a lot about eating disorders and how to overcome them and how to bash them out of your life so that you find a free and fabulous future. So I hope that you are doing okay today and that the eating disorder isn't causing you too much trouble and that you are really managing to do a lot more towards pushing it out of your life. And that involves action. That involves action with food, and that involves action with resting and relaxing, and allowing your body to do what it needs to do to get you out of energy deficit, to get you out of that addicted state that your brain is in to the energy deficit. And you can deal with that. You can deal with the necessary weight gain that comes from getting out of energy deficit. Your brain will tell you that you can't and it will tell you a million reasons that will be very convincing for why you can't cope, why you can't eat more or rest more today. But you can cope and you can do it. So don't listen to your brain. Listen to your truth. And your truth is going to come from your deep inner wisdom And that deep inner wisdom that's saying, for goodness sake, I just want to sit down and eat. Please, I'm so hungry and I'm so exhausted. Listen to that little voice because I don't doubt that it's in there and you need to respond to it. But today's episode then is part of the series I'm doing about overcoming an eating disorder when you are in your mid or later life years. So in earlier episodes on this topic, I've introduced the topic about overcoming eating disorders when you're that bit older and in that later stage of life and explained why it's most definitely never too late to overcome an eating disorder. I've also discussed mindset and identity in relation to this, as well as the specific considerations of overcoming an eating disorder when you have a partner or a spouse to also consider. But this episode is aimed at those of you who have children. And I'm going to talk about some of the specific challenges that arise from overcoming an eating disorder as a parent and when you have children to consider, which I know a lot of you do. So, of course, this is specifically for my older listeners who do have children. For others of you, it might be that the opportunity to have children didn't present at the time in life that you thought that you would, or you might have chosen not to have any. And that can also create some uniquely challenging emotions and situations, which I'm also going to cover in more depth in a future episode. So if you haven't got children, but you're in your mid or later life years and you're dealing with issues arising from that, then I am going to talk about that in more detail in a future episode. So please don't feel that you're being left out. I do know that there are unique challenges from that experience as well. But for those of you with children then, well, whether you want it to or not, an eating disorder will impact on your life, your opportunities, your relationships, 
and how free and flexible you're able to be. And that's not something to be self-critical about, but it's something to recognise as a fact. Eating disorders have a negative impact on you, your life, and they're likely to impact on the significant people in your life. And if eating disorders didn't have that negative impact, then you very likely wouldn't be listening to this episode or seeking a way to overcome an eating disorder. And you'd just be getting on with your life with the eating disorder there because it wasn't negatively impacting anything anyway. And many people with eating disorders in their mid or later life years have children who are either still small or who might be grown up. And there are a number of concerns, challenges and specific emotions that can arise from having children in your life. Both when you still have an active eating disorder and when you're in the process of overcoming one. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about what issues you might face if you do have children. Now, I think that one big consideration for a lot of parents is concern about the impact of the eating disorder on their children. As I understand it, most parents spend a lot of time worrying that they're going to screw up their kids in one way or another through terrible parenting. And that's understandable when evolution has decided that our offspring should be the most important thing in our lives so as to protect their safety and hence the ability to also go forward and procreate themselves, ensuring the survival of the species as a whole. So it's therefore human nature to be very self-critical of your parenting skills and worry about the impact you will have on your children, although it's perhaps magnified in people with eating disorders. And when you have an eating disorder, it's natural that you're going to be concerned about what impact your behaviours or beliefs and anxieties around food, exercise or body image will have on your children. And let's be real for a moment. To say that it won't have an impact on them would be a lie. It's going to impact on your children. You, You can't get away from that. When there's something as significant and impactful as an eating disorder, within the household, no matter how good you think you are at hiding it, it will impact. But that's not to say that the impact on your children will be entirely detrimental. In fact, it might make them more insightful and aware of bigger cultural and life issues than many of their counterparts and in advantageous ways. So I can only imagine how scary it might be to think about what impact is the eating disorder going to have on the children. But it doesn't have to have a massively negative impact on them. And it might just be that actually it makes them more grounded and self-aware and aware of wider issues as well as they grow up. The next issue I know a lot of parents also face is whether to explain about the eating disorder to the children or not. And this question is naturally more relevant to those of you with children old enough to understand. If you have a toddler or a younger child, then I'm not sure that sitting down with them to explain that mummy or daddy has an eating disorder is going to help very much. But what about older children? Well, I always think that children are incredibly sensitive to what's happening around them and to the anxieties or the shifts in their immediate caregivers. And if you're working to overcome an eating disorder, 
which will necessarily create changes to your eating, your behaviours and your general energy levels, as well as make you more irritable, anxious and emotional, it's inevitable that your children are going to notice that something's different. And if they don't understand or have reassurance as to why there are these changes, they might internalise it incorrectly and in turn become more anxious themselves. And as I said before, you might feel that you're an expert at hiding the eating disorder and minimising the impact on your children. And I know that you do do all you can to protect them. But eating disorders will change all aspects of your life, no matter how much you try to deny it. And to overcome it, you're going to need to change a lot of things, which is going to impact on the whole family. But of course, it's going to impact on the family in ways that are ultimately for the greater good of all of you. But at the end of the day, you know your children better than anyone. And it's important that you decide what to explain to them and how much. It might be that you just explain that you're going to be eating and resting more and gaining some weight for a while, and that you might get a bit angry or cry sometimes, but it's all a good thing and to make you better. And in that way, they'll be less worried when they notice the changes in you. Or with older children, you might choose to explain more about eating disorders and what you're going through in ways they can understand and that will help to reassure them. But deciding how openly to talk about the eating disorder with your children isn't easy. But I don't doubt that you and your partner, if you have one, can navigate it more than effectively. And when I was putting together this content for this episode, I asked for the experience of a client of mine. And so I'm going to give you her own words where she describes her decision to explain the eating disorder to her two daughters. And I'm very grateful to my client, and she knows who she is, that she agreed that I could share this here to help other people who are in a similar position to feel less alone in making that decision for themselves. So these are my client's words. My eldest is 13 and I've known for a while that she twigged I had an issue with food and exercise. She saw the podcasts and the books I read. It's hard to hide that. And she's a clever girl with supersonic hearing. I never felt the need before to discuss with her in more detail. But as she's now a teenager, it's more important she's aware of the dangers of dieting and restrictive behaviours. And I had a chat with her last night about how she feels about it all. She told me that school talk a lot about eating disorders and try to bring awareness but that lots of girls go on about diets in school and their bodies and being thin. With regards to me, she said that she gets what it is but doesn't understand how hard it is. She's supportive, but like anyone, unless you've been through an eating disorder or similar addiction, you can't really understand. I told her that one of the reasons I've shared my issues is so that she realises the importance of talking. I didn't have parents that I could comfortably confide in, and I felt very lonely and sad when I was perceived to be overweight when younger. Then I moved away from home when I met my husband, and that mixed with years of being on a diet propelled me to restrict for comfort. I think like any mental health issue, talking is key. I do feel ashamed and embarrassed that I've got this eating disorder and have suffered for so long, unable to beat it. But if we talk about it and make people more aware 
and can intercept issues earlier. Maybe the younger generation won't end up like I am now. My youngest is 10. She doesn't know what an eating disorder is, so I gave her more of a brief overview and explained that mummy is going to work on her views on what I eat and the exercise I do. She responded with, I'll eat more cake with you. I love their minds. My youngest doesn't understand what an eating disorder is or how you end up with one, but she gets that I was overweight, in inverted commas, when younger, and my parents put me on diets to lose weight, and now I'm stuck with these incorrect thoughts about food and exercise. I just kept things simpler for her. So I hope my client's words might help some of you who are in a similar situation with young children of your own and deciding what to explain to them, and the thoughts and emotions of your own that come from having an eating disorder as a mother or as a parent, and some of those emotions, as I say, that that arise from that and having to discuss it with your children. The next issue that might come up when you're a parent and you're trying to overcome an eating disorder comes from family activities. I know that many of you with children are likely to be used to having busy and active lives with your children and as a family. In fact, the eating disorder could have been a key factor in ensuring that up until now, a key way that you had family time together was through more physically active pursuits, such as walks and sporting activities, rather than by trips to the cinema or curling up at home together to read the whole Harry Potter series in one weekend. Compulsive movement and a very addictive drive to keep doing is a key part of restrictive eating disorder for 95% of people. And to overcome this side of the eating disorder and ensure that you're able to overcome the addictive nature of an eating disorder in its entirety, it will be necessary to limit your movement and busyness to only the essential daily tasks so your brain can reprogram and your body can heal and repair. Therefore, continuing active family trips and activities that you might all be used to doing together won't help you at this point in your recovery process. So you're going to need to consider how you continue to have quality time with your children, but without the movement and exercise related activities. And this again is where it will help to explain to your children that you need to rest more at the moment but reassure them that you're okay and that you do still want to have fun with them. Ask them to help you come up with some fun ways that you can spend time together that are much more sedentary and food-centric. Maybe movie afternoons with pizza and ice cream, playing old-fashioned board games and jigsaws, the cinema or picnics outside where the children can run about, but you can sit, rest and eat are just a few options of things that you can still do as a family, but which are more recovery focused as well. And let these changes in how you spend time as a family be a fun and a novel change for your children, as well as for you. If you're feeling resistance build to this point, then try to recognize that you will need to make changes in this process that will feel like sacrifices in the shorter term. So it might be that your partner and the children do still go on active excursions together that wouldn't be wise for you at this point in time. 
and so you might feel somewhat left out and disabled by the recovery process. And yes, of course, that can suck, but you don't overcome addictions by continuing to engage in them. And the same too for exercise and movement related to an addiction to energy deficit, which is what I consider a restrictive eating disorder to be. So instead, use the time of peace when your family are out to let your brain and body relax, to let the hunger come through and to rest, eat and grow in all kinds of fabulous ways for your future and for your family. And now let's not forget the family dog. Oh, I know the dog is not your child, although some might argue that their dog is almost as important and as significant. But there are many of you attempting to give up compulsive walking and movement who also have a family dog to walk, and often a very high energy dog at that. And perhaps not surprisingly, as the person at home with compulsive walking and movement issues, it's very likely that for a long time, You've also been the chief dog walker in the house and the rest of the family have now come to accept and depend on that fact. Well, you're going to need to think very carefully about what you do when it comes to dog walking and how you do manage this while also trying to significantly limit your movement and walking so that your process to overcome the eating disorder is more possible. So asking your partner or your older children To do more might be one option or using a dog walker as well as lowering your perception of how much walking time your dog really does need. If you had a physical condition impacting your ability to walk, which I would argue that you do, you would have to find ways to find an alternative for the dog. Just because the eating disorder is more brain-based and you might feel very physically able with a sense of falsely high energy, please don't underestimate how equally critical it is to take a break from the walking in order to recover. It matters. I know the dog is important to you, but you are going to need to find solutions to exercising the dog while you recover. Now, the next point is something that some of you might not have even realised or noticed as part of the eating disorder, but that is not uncommon. And that's people with eating disorders who have children to hyper-focus on the eating of one or more of their children and to feel very anxious about whether that child is eating enough to the point that it becomes a barrier to their own recovery, even when the child in question is absolutely fine. So it's normal to have fears that your children could also develop eating disorders and face a similar dreaded fate to your own. Of course, that's a normal fear to have. In my experience, though, most parents with eating disorders are so aware of the risks to their children that they're taking action to protect their children from the harms of diet culture in such ways that their children are perhaps much less likely to trigger any possible genetic vulnerability than any of their peers. If you do find that you're overly anxious about the eating patterns of one or more of your children, even when deep down you do know that that child is eating well and normally for their stage in life, then take a step back and consider the bigger picture. When we're feeling generally more anxious, 
which can be the status quo when you're overcoming an eating disorder and pushing yourself into very anxiety-provoking situations several times a day, our brains can subconsciously look for other things to attribute these feelings of anxiety onto. So your brain might be noticing anxiety and looking for a reason for it. Your child is very precious to you and any threat to them is a threat to you. So your brain looks for a reason to feel anxious about your child and what better reason than worrying about their eating. However, the real cause of the anxiety is the eating disorder affecting you and your need to eat more to eradicate it. So when you do notice yourself hyper-focusing on the eating habits of your child, perhaps bring your attention back to the most critical threat in this moment, and that is your own eating habits and your own eating disorder, and so eating more food there and then to address it. Do this enough times and most people find that the anxieties about their child, which was really anxieties about eating yourself, that you were then diverting onto your child, all those anxieties around your child can actually minimize to a much more normal level. The next point comes to sharing household chores so that you stop doing it all. Eating disorders love to keep people compulsively busy by being on the go and trying to be a martyr to everyone. You might have the cleanest home, cater for everyone, race about with the children to meet all their needs in super heroic ways and in ways that just aren't sustainable if you want to overcome the eating disorder, which necessitates rest and mental downtime to allow the real hard work of resisting eating disorder urges and sitting through very intense withdrawal symptoms. Therefore, it can be critical in this process to share your household chores out with your partner if you have one, but also with your children if they're old enough. Give your children household responsibilities in age-appropriate ways and let them have fun helping you out. Children often enjoy doing household chores if you can turn it into a game and a fun way to spend time. And allow your household standards to drop somewhat and go with a messily clean home that everyone feels they are contributing to. Children can enjoy household chores, as I say, if they're allowed to and can see it as a game or as a way to earn stars or other rewards. Don't feel guilty in asking your children to help with more in the home, as it will help you with your recovery, which is also ultimately massively beneficial to them. And it might just give them an inner sense of reward at being allowed to help and being more helpful. The next big issue that might affect some of you is needing to enter treatment when you have children of your own. Some of you might be in a situation where you have need to enter treatment for a time to help make progress in overcoming the eating disorder. And that treatment might be outpatient, but it might also be intensive and include inpatient or residential support, which can of course mean having lengthy periods of time away from home. And that is a huge commitment and decision for anyone. But when you have children, deciding whether to enter treatment can be an even more complex and emotionally charged dilemma. And with that, keeping at the top of your mind, the fact that your ability to overcome the eating disorder is going to be the best outcome 
not just for you, but for your children and wider family too. Sometimes it's just too hard to do all that's necessary at home, especially when life at home is otherwise so stressfully busy and demanding that you don't have the mental capacity left each day to then do all that it takes to change very addictive and hard to break patterns with your eating while not compensating and letting your body gain weight. Sometimes time and space to make significant early changes in the process is needed to then make it more possible to keep going at home. I know that you're going to feel guilty and very distressed at the thought of leaving your children so that you can enter treatment and it's going to take some logistical working out in terms of who will take care of them but the guilt at entering treatment is not grounded. You need help and support and care to be the best you can be for your children long into the future and sometimes short-term sacrifice on everyone is worth it for the longer-term gains. It's a big decision to enter treatment when you have children who also demand your time and focus. But sometimes entering treatment can be the best decision you can make for yourself and so too for them. Now the next point is the issue of eating the most in the family and facing your children's innocent comments. As I covered in the episode about partners and spouses, and I've definitely spoken about in my books and my other episodes, to overcome a restrictive eating disorder, fully emerge from the state of energy deficit and reprogram your brain in full from all the restrictive eating habits and behaviours, it's essential to eat lots of food and respond to some very high hunger. When you really recognise all your ever-present signs of hunger, and respond to them in non-restrictive ways, it's more than likely that you'll be eating a lot more than anyone else at home for a while. And that's not just okay, but it's right and the best thing you can do for your free future. But that's also going to mean that you do find you need to eat when the rest of the family aren't eating, or that you do still feel hungry when the rest of the family are saying that they couldn't eat another thing. It's therefore important that you allow yourself to eat with your family, but also to eat more than them at those mealtimes and to be able to eat without them, without negatively judging yourself for it, and only feeling pride that you are doing so when it's going against patterns that are so addictively ingrained that to go against them takes immense strength and willpower. Alongside this and as you gain weight, which is also an essential side effect to overcoming an eating disorder and getting out of energy deficit, it's possible that you will face innocent comments from your children. Many people face comments that are just innocent observations from their child about the fact that mummy or daddy is eating cake. Just because your child hasn't seen you before eating cake and it's noteworthy to them. And let's face it, it is noteworthy. But when you're struggling with guilt over eating the cake already, having it highlighted to everyone can be hard. I get that. You might also have children commenting on your belly that's now growing or making other comments about your changing body that are all completely innocent observations that are made as innocently as a child might comment about many other daily facts in their lives. But of course, when you're feeling vulnerable and sensitive, these comments can be hard to face. But try to take a deep breath and choose to laugh 
because these comments are only coming from an innocent heart and they're truly statements of your progress that you deserve to feel proud of, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. Next comes the issue of allowing yourself to be vulnerable and emotional while you go through the common symptoms of withdrawal as you overcome the eating disorder. It's hard to give up restrictive eating habits and other compensatory behaviours that keep you in a state of energy deficit in very addictive ways when on a surface level they make you feel safe and much more emotionally stable. Like any powerful addiction, and I believe that an eating disorder can be as powerfully addictive as any ingested substances, to quit your drug of energy deficit will create a lot of very intense withdrawal symptoms that can feel impossible to tolerate in the moment. And these include feeling very agitated, high anxiety, low mood, tearfulness, irritability, anger and frustration. It can also include physical symptoms such as headaches, exhaustion, stomach symptoms and shaking. To go through this at the best of times is so hard and it's so hard that too many people fail to get very far but to do so when you also have children to consider is a huge ask. It's important though that you do have the ability to go through any symptoms of withdrawal that you do get and find ways to cope with them, letting yourself be vulnerable and able to cry or feel an emotional mess at times. So you're going to need to consider how you approach this with your children so that they're not alarmed if you're not your usual calm and emotionally more zoned out self. Explaining to children that you might be more tearful or a bit more irritable at times will be important and reassuring them that you're not angry at them and that you are getting better but that doing so can make you feel a bit sad sometimes might be one way to help them understand. And if you need a hug at times, let them be the one to offer that comfort to you as that might also help them feel they're a help to you and not the cause of your distress. It's so hard to do this with children while worrying about the impact on them but keep reminding yourself that the impact on them will be much greater and more lasting if you continue to have an eating disorder now and into their adult lives. You don't want that eventuality, so go through this together and let them support you with hugs and with love and by bringing you cake as you go through the challenges that will come up. And remember that your recovery is a change for them too, but it's a positive one and they will adjust much faster than you. In the episode about overcoming an eating disorder when you have a partner or spouse, I covered the fact that all the changes that come from overcoming an eating disorder necessitate essential brain changes and rewiring for you, but it also means your immediate family will have some brain rewiring to do themselves as well. And it's easy to forget this when you're deeply focused on your inner struggles and highly anxious, leading you to perceive threat everywhere. But it's important to remember that for years, perhaps all their lives, your children have known you as you are with an eating disorder. And that's been their status quo for a long time. As you overcome the eating disorder, you will change in so many ways. And I'm not just talking about physical changes. Just the fact you eat more, rest more, 
and you're not quite so driven and controlling will be noteworthy changes that your children will take time to adjust to as their new normal at home. At times, they're likely to forget that you now fully eat with them and engage in all kinds of food eventualities when you perhaps haven't before. And they might expect you to be out at the gym at the habitual time you always were before, rather than at home and on the couch, happy to watch a movie with them. Perhaps they'll take time to adjust to these positive changes and realise these changes are lasting ones. And so they're likely to say or do things from time to time, such as express surprise that you're eating more or not at the gym. While in an anxious state, your brain might try to perceive this as a criticism of the fact that you're eating or you're not exercising, when of course it's not meant as a criticism. Your recovery is a learning process for the whole family, and your family have to adjust to the new you. But this new you is going to make not just your life more amazing, but theirs too, and it will be worth it for all of you. And I think the final big point to make is please don't believe you have to do it all alone. You don't have to go through one of the most intensive and demanding things that you are ever going to go through in your lifetime in overcoming an eating disorder and just how much that's going to demand of you on your own. It will leave you feeling mentally, emotionally and physically drained and that's before you factor in having children and the responsibilities that come with them, which can also be more than full-time work. So it's important that you show yourself compassion and recognise that to do this without help is not likely to end well. In fact, it'll probably just leave you feeling frazzled and as if you're doing badly at the eating disorder bashing and badly at being a parent even if you are doing the most, anyone can ask in both those things. So all I would say is ask for help. You don't have to do this alone. Pull on all the resources you can find for support. It's an act of courage and strength to make yourself vulnerable, admit you are not Superman or Superwoman, and admit you need other people to make it that little bit easier for you to keep going. Seeking help with childcare, things around the house, stopping work for a while and using recovery support can make a difference and it's a valuable life skill to know when you just can't do it all alone. As humans, we are not supposed to do it all alone. After all, we evolved from tribes and a community of support is how we survive the best. So stop trying to blooming well be superman or superwoman and use the support that people are desperate to give you if you let them in. So I appreciate this has been a long episode and it won't have covered all the factors that might arise for you when you have children and you're attempting to overcome an eating disorder. This process is never easy but I always think that those of you doing it with parent duties on top of everything else life throws at any of us are truly, truly remarkable. But perhaps you can also use those children of yours as extra motivation because not having an eating disorder will enable you to be more present and involved as a parent than it's possible to be at the moment with one. And one thing I have observed in my clients who do have children of all ages is that yes, those children 
can actually be bloody good role models in how to eat and how to have fun and how to be spontaneous and relax and rest. And they can be such a huge motivation to recover for your children as well as with them. So stay tuned for future episodes in this series on overcoming an eating disorder in mid or later life years, as I'm going to cover the specific considerations you might face when you have an eating disorder to overcome and you're in your mid or later life years and single, as well as considerations or difficulties that you might be experiencing if you have never had children and maybe it now feels too late. Stay tuned. I'm Helly. You'll find me on hellybarns.com and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Feck It Fun, Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. Don't forget, eating disorder recovery doesn't have to be boring and doesn't have to be serious. Now go and grab yourself some food and have a fabulous rest of the day.